So what is something that makes you angry? I'm talking like aggressively angry or hostile even, as some people might say. What is that thing in your life that when you find yourself in the midst of it, or when someone just mentions that thing around you, you can't help yourself. You have to just say, oh, I hate that thing. I know for me, that thing is something simple and predictable, but something so deeply rooted in me that just this burning fire starts in my very bones. That thing for me is other drivers on the road. It's traffic. Now, Wordle may be a close second now, but nothing makes me seethe with anger more than all those jokers out on the highway who I am convinced have all come together and, and made a, a plot against me to make my drive as inconvenient as possible. And I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, in the last 10 years, the number of deaths on the road related to road rage has increased by 500% a 500% increase in the amount of deaths and accidents related to road rage. And Houston is one of the top cities in America where road rage is most common. As a matter of fact, the Houston stretch of I-45 has been labeled the most dangerous road in the country, averaging over 56 fatal accidents for every 100 miles of road. Now, we can't attribute all of those accidents to road rage, but we can attribute a lot of those accidents to it because studies reveal that roughly 80% of drivers Admit to honking, yelling, and waving your finger, and I don't mean like this, at other drivers on the road. 80%. Think about that. That's 80% of you all in here, because you all drove. 80% of you admit to doing these things when earlier, just a little bit in the service, you were smiling and waving at, at those people. So even when you're not being aggressive with how you're driving, I think we can all admit that oftentimes we experience aggression while we're driving. And whether the other drivers on the road are the source of our anger or just the unfortunate objects of it, the vast majority of you carry a deep feeling of hostility with you. So today we're continuing in our series called Trading Up, where we're talking about taking some of the things that we carry with us naturally, some of the things that weigh us down, and surrendering those things to Jesus in exchange for some of the things that he invites us to receive. Some of the things that he's won for us and earned for us through his death and resurrection. Things that we as his people get to enjoy. So we get to give him the bad thing and trade up for something better. And this week specifically, we're going to be talking about trading up from hostility to hospitality. Now, as I was thinking about it this week, I found myself really wondering what hostility is. Like, what does it mean? What does it look like to be hostile towards somebody else? And the answer I eventually arrived at was that hostility is when we shut people out. We shut them out. And we see this idea in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He talks about how the body is a single unit, but it's made up of, of a bunch of different individual members, and he likens the church to a body. So he tells us that if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So what he's trying to say here is that we are designed to come together, to be, to be a community, to be united around something, to be a body. But that's really hard for us, isn't it? See, anytime we do something as simple as, uh, like when we see another driver on the road and, and they have their blinker on to get into our lane, we have two options. We can either slow down and, and let them in front, but we don't like to do that because they're inconveniencing us. So what are we typically out for? Let me speed up and force them to get behind me so then I don't have to worry about them, I don't have to see them, and I can go on my merry way the way I want to do it. And when we do that, we end up distancing ourselves from people. It's that simple. So even if our actions or our words aren't particularly aggressive 
or violent, we can shut others out in our thoughts and in our hearts. And in doing so, by shutting them out that way, we're still being hostile towards them. And when we do that, we start to slowly build up a wall between us and them because we don't really care about them. Right? We, we don't want them to be a part of our lives. We don't want to be a part of their lives. It's kind of like a, like a bee. I won't hurt you if you don't hurt me. And instead of promoting the unity of the church, the body of Christ, we end up dividing ourselves in very subtle and simple ways. And that's what we see happening in our Luke text today. See, here there's a man with a severe illness. He's got a condition where uh, water accumulates in various parts of his body, and those body parts begin to swell. So I can only assume that's a very uncomfortable and unpleasant condition. Now, what's fascinating about this is that the Pharisees placed this man right in front of Jesus. And we aren't told why, but since we know that the Pharisees are watching Jesus closely, we can reasonably assume that the Pharisees put this man before Jesus as a test to trap Jesus, to catch him in the act of doing work on the day of rest, which was unlawful back then. And we, we can gather from that, that that the Pharisees don't care about this guy. See, they, they don't care if he gets healed. They don't put him in front of Jesus so that his disease can be healed. They don't care about his social standing as an outcast, as a reject in society because of his illness. He's just a pawn in their little game. They couldn't care less about his physical suffering, and they couldn't care less about his emotional and relational suffering. They're just using him. They've shut him out of their hearts, and they've shut him out of their minds. And they've separated and detached themselves from this man completely. That's hostility. But where the Pharisees are hostile, Jesus shows hospitality. He shows us that where hostility shuts people out, hospitality lets people in. See, Jesus looks at the man and he doesn't see a tool or a chess piece. He sees a human being. He sees a man who's suffering and in desperate need of healing and restoration. So that's what Jesus does. He heals the man. And he doesn't just heal, them, heal him of the disease, but through the healing of this man's body, Jesus is now also healing his fractured relationship with other people, his relationship with society. And then he sends the man out to be with the people who can now let him in. But Jesus does more than just this. He doesn't stop at showing hospitality to one unfortunate man in biblical times. He shows hospitality to all of his people, us included, even when we don't show it to him. See, Jesus spent most of his earthly ministry, his time here on earth, being the subject of hostility. We can see that clearly with the Pharisees. They perceived him as a threat, and they didn't just want to shut him out. They wanted to shut him down. They sought various times and opportunities to kill Jesus, and then such a time and opportunity presented itself when one of Jesus' own followers, one of his own disciples and closest friends, betrays him and hands Jesus over to them. And when Jesus was put on trial in the greatest display of hostility known to mankind, the very people that Jesus let into his heart and invited into his ministry to save put him, the innocent lamb of God, up on a tree, and they crucified him. Yet even as Jesus hung up there on the tree, up on that cross, he was hospitable. See, he never stopped caring about them or thinking about them. He even prayed for them as they hurled insults his way, asking God to forgive them. 
for not knowing what they're doing. Jesus Christ, the very son of God, bearing the hostility and sinfulness of all of mankind, all of that on his shoulders, was shut out by his father in order that the people who had shut him out might be invited back into a right relationship with God. See, Jesus let go of his own life so that sinners like you and like me might receive forgiveness and salvation. And he died and rose again so that all who believe in him might be let in to his everlasting life. And in this incredible demonstration of hospitality, Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, tore down the dividing wall of hostility that mankind had put up between themselves and others and between themselves and God. See, now when we look at each other and think about each other, we don't have to think about the things that stand between us, things like uh, financial status and race and gender and age and political leanings. We don't have to think about what separates us, what divides us. We get to think about what unites us, what brings us all together, the fact that he has shown such love and hospitality to us all, even when we didn't deserve it. The fact that all of us, regardless of how many things we've done wrong and how many times we've done those things, all of us have been forgiven and have received salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The fact that he has brought all of us together, even today from different places and different backgrounds to come together as one people in one particular place to worship him and learn more about him. And not only does he bring us together with each other, but he unites us all with the Father. And because the penalty of our sins was completely paid for by his death and resurrection, God no longer has to be hostile towards us. He no longer has to look at us and see our sins that divide us from him, but he gets to look at us and see the holiness of his son and our redemption. And he invites us back into a relationship with him. And through that relationship, through that invitation, we are invited to be back in relationship with each other. But the invitations don't end there. See, we as the church are invited back over and over again to celebrate things like baptism and the Lord's Supper, where Christ continues to show his hospitality to us week after week. He takes physical, tangible, earthly elements, earthly things, and he attaches a heavenly promise to them, and he gives them to us for the purpose of forgiveness and salvation. He invites us to the waters of baptism so that we might be united with him in his death and resurrection. And he invites us to the table, not out of our worthiness, but out of his worthiness, to give to us his very true body and blood, which he gave for us and shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And he invites us back over and over and over again. And since Christ let us in through his death and his resurrection and continues to invite us into that forgiveness, the forgiveness that can only be found in him, even those of us who are bent towards hostility can now embrace hospitality we can let others in. But how do we do that? How can we let go of hostility and embrace hospitality? Well, there are three different ways I thought of that we can do that. The first way, first way that we can trade up from hostility to hospitality and let people in is to let them into our heads. I know what you might be thinking, but Jeffrey, that's the problem. They're already there, and it's not for a good reason. But what I want you to do is, since you're already thinking about those people who make you angry, don't think about the things that they do to anger you, to make you mad. Think about them as a person. And as you're doing that, remind yourself of your own sinfulness. See, we have a tendency to fixate on the sins of other people. And that's because we take a lot more pleasure in highlighting and exposing what other people have done wrong than highlighting what we've done ourselves. 
And when we see someone else, or when we think about someone else, when we let those negative thoughts and feelings about them consume our entire being, then it becomes evident those walls start to build up and they get higher and higher and they get wider and wider and the distance between us and them gets greater and stronger. And I'm not trying to excuse anything that those people have done, but when we're constantly filling our minds with all of their terrible things, we let that fire burn within us and we can feel it just rising higher and higher. And we start to think things like, how could they do that? I, can, I would never do something so vile and disgusting. And then we start to see them as an enemy, and not just an enemy, we see them as our enemy. And again, I'm not excusing anything they've done, but, but when we take a beat to remember our own sinfulness, the things that we've done wrong, and how even our worst sins were forgiven, and are continually forgiven because of Christ, we begin to stop thinking about others as being less than, being less immoral, being less worthy of love. And then the playing field starts to begin to even out, and we see everyone around us as somebody else for whom Christ let go of his own life, and somebody else to whom Christ extends an invitation, the same invitation that he showed us. And what happens when we do that is our heart breaks about the sin, but it's softened toward the sinner. By remembering our own sinfulness, we can let go of that hostility and let them into our minds. So that's one thing we can do. Let them into our minds. Another thing we can do is to embrace hospitality by letting them into our hearts also. And the best and, and simplest way we can do that is to pray for people. And pray specifically for the people that we're feeling hostile towards, even if we don't want to. Pray that God would convict them of their sin and forgive them just like he's forgiven us. Pray that God would bless them and bless them abundantly. And I think what you'll start to see is that as, as you do this, you'll see them as, as someone who's precious and loved in the eyes of God. Someone that's special to him. Someone he wants to forgive. Someone that he wants to shower with his blessings. And as a forgiven child of God yourselves, you can remember how you received those blessings and that forgiveness. And you get to see how, since they're so special and important to God, just like you are, they should be special and important to you also. And it makes your heart long for something better for these people. And lastly, and most obviously, we can let go of hostility for hospitality, not just by letting them into our hearts, hearts and minds and heads, but letting them into our home. Open your door to them and invite them in. Let them into your table and around your table. Share a meal with them. Get to know them a little bit better. Get to hear their story. Just as Christ opens up his table to us and invites us to share a meal, a meal of grace and mercy. And even if you're a little bit hesitant and scared to let someone in that you don't necessarily like, you can go to a third-party location. Invite them to a restaurant. Take them out to dinner. Do something special and memorable for them. See, no matter how you go about it, nothing unites people quite like enjoying good food, does it? And there's lots of different ways we can do that. So as we close, I want to ask you the same question I asked at the start. But this time I want to ask it in a slightly different way. Instead of asking what that thing is that makes you angry, I want to ask who is that person that makes you angry and hostile? Who are they? And as you think about who that person is and picture them, I want you to imagine what it would look like to show the kind of hospitality to them that Jesus shows to us. See, what would it look like if on your way home you slowed down a little bit 
when you see someone's blinker. And you willingly let them in ahead of you. What would it look like if you prayed for them to have safe travels to wherever they're going? And on the way there or sometime throughout the day, pray that they would have a life-changing encounter with the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Even if they don't give you the wave. What would it look like in those moments to let go of your anger and hostility and to let people in into your heads, into your hearts, or into your homes? Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hospitality that you showed us through Jesus. That even when we were hostile towards him and and you and the things of you, that you showed your love for us. A love that we couldn't possibly understand it's so great by sending your son to die for us. And Jesus, we thank you for your hospitality that you showed us by, by hanging on the cross and continuing, continuing to pray for us in those moments and to bring us back into a right, right relationship with God. So we ask that as we consider these things this week, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see people as you see them see them as chosen, as beloved, as as people who are special to you. Help soften our hearts and work in our hearts to to hold them as precious and beloved to us as well. Give us wisdom to see how you would have us be hospitable towards them, to bring the same kind of love, joy, mercy, peace, forgiveness, all those things, show it to them in the same way that you showed it to us. Pray all those things in the name of Jesus. Amen.